Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Love Talk Radio. the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard game, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football yeah. Memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in North America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 years of football history and memorabilia you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Yeah. It's at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, as a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Yes. Joke. Welcome to the show. Ah, Captain, that uh, that football of yours, you know, you know your your call out that just that gives me goosebumps, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Good. It, it never gets Good. old. We're, you're going to turn that into a ringtone or something, weren't you? I'm sorry. What? You were going to try and turn that I into was. a ringtone, weren't you? I was. I was. But it didn't pan out. So. <laughs> <laughs> what could I say? Hey, Joe. In our last I, show, we were talking. We were talking a little bit about a, a a variety of different things, and I happened upon a couple emails that I uh, was reviewing 
last night with regards to um, some football programs and ticket stubs, and I'm kind of surprised, kind of surprised in a way, but not surprised in a way. There seems to be some renewed interest in the market for football programs, older football programs, and their matching ticket stubs. Have you seen anything like that, or are you, are you getting any uh, feelings one way or the other on it? I know you're going to be looking for some of your Red Grange items from games <laughs> that he played in over the coming year. Yeah. But uh, what, do you, what do you see on the West Coast market there, if anything, with regards to programs and uh, ticket stubs? Uh-huh. Well, the West Coast is kind of an island of the hobby. I mean, you know, I mentioned before how jealous I am of the shows that go on on the East Coast. You know, in Philadelphia and, you know, D.C., it's just, uh, you know, we have one good show a year probably, and it's up in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It, it's and, and I'm kind of a unique hobbyist. I mean, Portland's not really, the you know, the, the mecca of football lore either. So, I mean, I'm – it's it's interesting whenever people ask you know what my hobbies are and I'm like I, I collect I collect uh, I collect football cards and they're like you collect cars no cards uh, cards oh you know if people are just you know, oh I didn't know people did that yeah grown men collect wow. football cards I don't know it's everybody's got a hobby and you know I don't know but so I I don't really it, you know and then the stuff that I collect is very unique you know within that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for Red Grange, uh, you know, games that he played in in college. My goal right now is to finish a ticket stub and a program for every game, every college game Red Grange played in, and then uh, I have a I have a spreadsheet that lists every pro game Red Grange played in with the Bears and with the Yankees. Uh, you know, they had scheduled games, and then they had exhibition games, and then they had All Star games. And every, you know, about, you know, every three, four months, I discover a new game that, you know, that they played. I don't think there is really a master list out there, but, you know. And, and those games, the barnstorming games are exceptionally difficult to find yeah. programs and ticket stuffs from. I mean, obviously, you know, we talked about this in the past also, but, uh, you know, they're rare, rare as far as I'm concerned. So when you do, yeah. you know, hum, you know tumble upon one and you, obviously one has to buy it and that's it. there's no questions asked as far as I'm concerned uh, with regards to yeah, that. I, so, uh, yeah. I think ahead. a year ago, a, a year or so ago, uh, you know, uh, BST had a program for sale and it was uh, one of like the, when Red Grange went, you know, formed the Yankees, there was a list mm-hmm. of games that, official games that, you know, for the Yankees. And this program predated any of the games that I had data on. So, I mean, it was – and it was like, you know, four days before the first game. So, I mean, obviously they'd, they'd worked in an exhibition game, and uh, there was a program from it. So, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he was listening to the program. So, I mean, it, that's one of, the, one of the cool things about programs and tickets is it's, it's ever-expanding. I mean, it's just they're, – they're, you know, especially something that's nearly 100 years old. There is no, you know – they didn't just they just just didn't take very good records back then I guess but yeah well I think uh, again again they're not they weren't heavily collected and B during World War II we know there was an enormous amount of paper drives so a lot of that material you know just went to recycling at that time for the war effort so a lot of paper real paper you know is long gone 
as far as the early games and the early history of the NFL. So to me, it, it, it's just I find it fascinating. Anytime I see any type of pre World War II football program, whether it's college or the barnstorming games or or you know early NFL or the early AFL uh, leagues back from the 30s. Finding a program and a ticket stub from those games are, is exceptionally rare. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely. think I think that I think down the road we're going to see some serious appreciation as far as pricing is concerned. Because again, it's not like baseball where you had you know many games played during the season, a lot of programs issued for the for the games, so on and so forth, and you had a lot more people you know going on a regular basis as compared to a handful of games of football played home and away, and in some cases, yes. uh, you know programs weren't even issued for for the games, so it makes it even more difficult to find anything uh, with regards to that at the same time. Yeah. The other, the no, other thing I, I was going to ask you. Yeah, go no, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, you no, go back even further than that, Jim. <laughs> Jim Thorpe. I mean, I collect Jim Thorpe yeah. photo, yeah. you know, photos, yeah. ticket stubs, programs. I mean, now you're going back to something that's a hundred, you know, hundred and ten years old. I mean, and right. you know, uh, you know, I, I think I was mentioning to you a while ago. You know, I, I really wanted some tickets uh, when Thorpe was in the Stockholm Olympics when he won gold in mm-hmm. the, you know, pentathlon and the, and the, uh, and the decathlon. And, you know, the more I dug around, the more I discovered there's, there's practically a whole underground market in Sweden, you know, of uh, people who make fake copies of these tickets and then sell them to unsuspecting Americans. Hey, just cause I live in right. Stockholm, uh, you know, gives, gives, gives a ticket provenance, you know, it's kind of odd. So, I mean, I had to really dig in and start identifying the various tickets, you know, from each day, uh, you know, that, that happened over there. And it's, it's a minefield out there just as with anything we've talked about a hundred times. It's, you know, where there's money and, and, and hobbyists, there's fraudsters. And sadly, Sweden has its share of fraudsters. So. (laughs) The other question I was going to ask you, just like uh, fast forwarding to the seventies when the Seahawks started, is um, <laughs> our, our new Seahawk, or I'm sorry, are the original Seahawk, like 76 through uh, 80 programs, difficult to find out there? Are they plentiful? What What do you you have any handle on that? I'm just curious, my own my own knowledge. Yeah, just very again, very thinly traded. Um, I mean, there's you know a dozen people or so he collected. At one point, I wanted to collect every ticket stub and every program from the 1976 game. And I was mm-hmm. able to do it pretty quickly and whittle it down to missing one or two. And I, I still have those. I have a full ticket stub of the Seahawks first win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, you know, who went 0 and 14 that year and Seattle went two mm-hmm. and 12, I think. So both right, expansion right. teams that year, but, but uh, it's, it's just very thinly traded. It's just, uh, you know, we've talked about it. I mean, the, the popular teams, the Packers, the Cowboys, uh, you know, the, the Steelers, I mean, you know, those are the, you know, the Bears. Those are the, the teams that, I mean, you, you, you put any ticket up, you know, and it goes. I mean, especially vintage right, stuff or right. historicals. It's just the Seahawks right. are, uh, you know, I don't. I don't see many people walking around in Europe wearing a Seattle Seahawks shirt, you know. But yeah. you know, you'll you'll yeah. you'll see other teams. 
So, no, yeah, thinly traded. Exactly. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Again, Seattle Seahawks history starts in 1976. I mean, it's, you know, it, you know, you know, Chicago Bears history goes back to, you know, the 1920s. It's, it's just, it's not even, not even a comparison. Right, right. Well, and you know, you got the, you got the same, same theory too with the old AAFC when you got the 49ers and you yeah. got the Browns coming, coming out of the AAFC. And because of yeah, that, good. you know, there is, there is that rare four year period of the AAFC of trying to collect programs and yearbooks from them and, uh, uh, programs and ticket subs, I mean, from the from those years, and but they're out there, and I've seen them, and uh, you know, seen the last the last the last national in Cleveland. I did see a bunch of AAFC stuff of the Browns, there, oh, yeah. which was pretty pretty interesting to see, uh, and it is heavily collected. Yeah. And you're correct. I mean, older teams are more yeah. more collected than than the newer teams. I can yeah. see that. To say the good point, and just but the fan base, the Packers have a more fanatic fan base than the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, right. you know, what's right. the what's the wait list for Packers tickets? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm like number, I think fifty two thousand for a season ticket. I've been <laughs> on it for like twenty five, twenty plus years now. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's I, you know there's there's jokes about. You know, kids being born and parents putting their name on the wait list, you know, just because, right. you know, you know, I mean, there you are. I mean, it's just, if I want to go to a Seahawks game, I'm going to go to a Seahawks game, uh, you know, and, and I could, I probably have my pick of the best seats, uh, you know, et cetera. If I want to go to a yeah. Packers game, you know, uh, man, I, I, you know, I, I might be in for, I might be in for a shock. So, well, you'll be in the end zone you know. one way or the other. That, that's yeah, what it will come yeah, down to. Because exactly. those, those yeah. are the most e- easily obtainable tickets for uh, a Packers game that I've seen over the years. And I, I know several hmm. people who are, who are season ticket holders who are, I've bought tickets from them to go see games. And they're they're like on the 5 and 10 yard line. So it's, it's that's just the uh, way it is out there, you know. So Let's make a pact. Let's make a pact, you, you and I, Bob. The next time the Seahawks and the Packers play, Regular season or playoffs, I'll I'll fly, uh, I'll, I'll I'll fly to the Midwest and let's you and I go to a Packers game together. Okay, all right, you're on, you're on. All right. Packers at home. I've never been to Lambeau. It is the mecca of football. Obviously, have to, without a doubt, have to. You have to. So I will make and the trip next will, time the Seahawks play. You will never imagine the pregame experience at Lambeau. And outside of Lambeau before a game, it's incredible. And the one thing that always astounded me going to Lambeau is leaving the stadium. You got seventy thousand people orderly walking out of the stadium, and people yeah. stopping at stoplights, allowing people across the street and get into their cars. Yeah. And within an hour yep. of the game, there's nothing around you. It's, I was just totally shocked. And again, I come from the experience of New York trying to get out of the Meadowlands, yes. and on a good day, I should only be two hours from home. I mean, I've, I've spent up to five and a half hours from the Meadowlands to get back here. Uh, utterly ridiculous traffic on the way. I, so. I think I've mentioned my wife and I at one point had a goal of going to see a Seahawks game in every stadium in the NFL, and we made it to about nine or ten before children mm-hmm. started getting involved. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say Philadelphia was one of the hardest – you know, Lincoln Field was one of the hardest 
to reach and hardest to get out of. Right, right. My and my so, my so. suggestion for any suggestion for anybody going to the Meadowlands, especially from out of town, get a hotel near the stadium for the game, <laughs> and then get out of the get out. Of, no, seriously, you know, stay there Saturday and Sunday, and then get out and then you know, fly back or whatever on yeah. Monday. That's that's probably the easiest. So I gotta way ask. Scene. Yeah, yeah. I gotta ask, Bob. Are you gonna be okay with me wearing a Steve Largent jersey when we go to Lambeau together? Yeah, because you're going to be okay with my Bart Starr jersey on. So it is what it is. Of course. I always love I it when I wear that jersey. Uh, when I wear that jersey at other stadiums, and people are like, Steve Largent sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember I went to a, a Bears game with Andy Becker, and, I just, and I've usually just got a couple canned responses. Steve Largent sucks. I'm like, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you're, so you're saying a Hall yep. of Famer sucks? Uh, you know, just – Oh, the Seahawks suck. No, well, we're one game ahead of you, so you guys suck. We're uh, just all just. And when you know more about a team, a team's football history than the fans who are yelling at you, yeah. it's like you know, oh, Largent yeah. sucks. Oh, well, you know, Harold Harold Carmichael didn't make it into the didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. Are you saying Harold Carmichael sucks? Who's Harold Carmichael? Ah, man, right. you know, welcome to the NFL. Right. So, uh, right. but all right. Well, uh, we'll make All that right. pack next time the Seahawks play. I'm, I'm coming to town, sir. All right, we're on. We're on. All right, our guest is waiting, and it's time for me to introduce him. Uh, he's been collecting vintage sports cards and memorabilia for the past 40 years, and while he's generally <laughs> known as a T206 historian and superset collector. He also focuses on TTM autograph projects with an emphasis on mid-1960s football sets and rookie cards. And it's at this time I'd like to welcome to our show Mr. Brian Weiser. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Joe, how are you? Doing very good, Brian. Really good to have you on the show, sir. Well, thanks for taking. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to, to be on today. And I'd like to lead off by asking you the age-old question. What made you start collecting football cards and football memorabilia? Well, it's funny. Joe was talking about 1976 because that was the year I really started buying cards, you know, football cards, cellos, 1976 cellos. Go to the 7-Eleven, look for Walter Payton on the front. So, Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. It takes me back. I was a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, obviously, you know, in 1977, I looked for Largent cards because, you know, he was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Touche, Brian. Touche. <laughs> hey, I still have mine from then. I, I still have eight of them. None of them were for your. You're a wonderful collection. <laughs> I got a, I, I, I'll, I will, uh, will say, yeah, I got a couple of those. I got a couple large and cards. <laughs> you, you've seen the picture of the hoard. You've seen the picture of the hoard I have, Brian. I love it. I, yeah. yes. So, you so, know, I used to buy. Well, I got to ask Brian. Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, and I used to buy. Football cards, baseball cards, whatever season, and you know, I would go to flea markets and always going to spend my allowance on you know new T206s or new baseball cards, and 
than one show this guy brought in two binders of football cards. And nobody really wanted football cards. So I bought both of these binders for $25. And it turned out that it was full of Jim Brown cards, all the rookies from like 1956 to almost 1970. Wow. Wow. I took them home and said, this is really cool. And I thought, you know, this is kind of like complete. So I just I put them up and they sat there for years. And I was like, I got football covered. I'm buying the new ones at the store and I got all the old ones I need. So. Hmm. I, I got to ask, Brian, Bob mentioned you collected T206s. Uh, for our football listeners out there, can you explain what the hell a T206 is? Yes, they were tobacco cards produced by the American Tobacco Company in 1909 to 1911, put into cigarette packs, and it was a phrase at the time. And they had football cards in them? No, they didn't. They were baseball, and most people know about Oh, who who invited this guy on the program, Captain? What's going on? Joe's a little right, can, we cut, can we cut, here, the, so. can we cut Joe, to a commercial or something? <laughs> I, I've, yeah. moved, I've moved past that into football. So. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> See, you're, you're a recovering Joe, baseball collector. All right. All right. I went from T206 to 66 Philly. Brian, Brian is well known for his T206 collections, but we're, we're more concerned yes. with his football collection. I know so, uh, it's, it's my good friend Brian. It? If I didn't give him a little bit of a hard time, I'd be remiss. So, uh, I know. Brian, I absolutely love the picture of you. You know, meeting the meeting the Cowboys in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, you know, meeting Joe Montana. I just you just I I love him. It, it reminds me a little bit of mine. You know, so. You've got a pretty amazing collection of signed football cards. I mean, I, I, I reckon it kind of got started, you know, with meeting a lot of the players like that. But, you know, can you tell us how you got started? Yeah, it really did. Um, I was lucky enough my dad took me to a Cowboy playoff game in Atlanta. Uh, we happened to be staying at the Marriott with the Cowboys. Um, and I made friends with the Bellman who helped me get close to the players and uh, – Drew Pearson nicely signed a card, and Harvey oh, Martin. Huge. Um, oh, yeah, and just Ed Tutal Jones. They just they just kept coming. Um, so that was that was a joy. And then uh, getting Joe Montana at the Super Bowl on his rookie card. Um, you know, that that kind of got me started. I wish I'd have kind of kept that up. I had kind of a a lull for several years until uh, until really getting into a project once I had kids um, of the uh, through the mail autograph and, and trying to build a 1966 Philly set. So, hmm. you, you said you, you don't have that Montana rookie card signed anymore. What happened to it? Oh, oh I have it. Oh yeah. Oh, you still have, do. Oh, Oh yeah. I have everything I've got signed in person. I have the Drew Pearson, the Harvey Martin and the Joe Montana. Oh. Yeah. And you can read every letter of the I want to clarify real quick 
for uh, for our listeners, because some of uh, you may not know what a TTM is, and that's technically, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, through the mail, right? That's how that's yes, how sir. it's referred to. Yeah, and uh, it's very popular. Um, there's several, and actually, we have an advertiser in Gridiron Greats Magazine autograph review, um, Jeff Morley, who I've I've known for years, and I advertise in his uh, newsletter publishes addresses of, of the players where you could write to them. Some of them charge, some of them don't. But uh, that's what's referred to as TTM autographs uh, for anybody who didn't know that. Okay. Go ahead, Bert. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I had done that as a kid. You know, I would buy the address books and do a lot of the baseball and, and football. And so I picked up, you know, some cards through the decades, and then once I had my my two girls, Grace and Kate, I thought, why not start a project um, so they would know what interests me, uh, which is the sports card collecting. So we, we started to do a few sets, actually, on the baseball side, and they were a little bored with that. And, and Kate pulled these binders out and she said, what about football? Because we go to football games <laughs> ticket holders for the Panthers and we're Cowboy fans. And I said, that's a great idea, Kate. So we sent our first one to Gail Sayers. And oh, it was wow. a 66 wow. rookie that came from that binder. And we had a lot of 66 Phillies in there. Um, and so we just, we started working on that set and then sending out uh, some, the Jim Brown rookie and, a 66 Philly, and we just we just really started working on those binders, and we've been doing it for uh, 10 years now. Wow! So it's, it's it's been a great project. Kate still helps pull out cards, and she signs all the letters. Grace does also, but sometimes <laughs> Kate puts uh, her signature. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's I've I've seen a few things that you posted with regards to you know the letters and the signatures. I mean that that's incredible to you know to see and and, and to be as I've always said the older players truly appreciate uh, knowing people are still interested in their careers and the like. You know what I mean? So uh, I know they're they're much more appreciative of having somebody ask for their autograph as compared to uh, in today's yeah. you know game and today's player and the like, so on and so forth. And their signatures are, you know, very sharp. And the responses, if you ask them a question, are, are fantastic. Um, I think the girls have learned a great deal just from seeing how people respond to, to getting mail, you know, and what the thank you notes that they write back to us. Wow. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, also, just to be an older football player and just have somebody appreciate it like that. I mean, I, I don't know at what point it would get old, but I don't think it would. I mean, especially, if, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's fascinating. And I just love seeing the, the respect like that. Yeah. I, I got home from a trip yesterday and, and Kate had a stack of, of four that returned sitting on my desk, you know, and she's <laughs> like, let's see what we've got. So, who was it? Actually, we got an amazing return from uh, Jerry Rome, Cowboy, 
Um, oh, wow. He's on a 66 uh, Philly action card with Danny Villanueva uh, kicking, and he's the mm-hmm. holder, and he's passed away, but I actually got him seven or eight years ago through the mail, and I didn't realize Jerry was the holder and sent him the cards, and he signed beautifully, and then added two or three cards and wrote a couple of nice letters to the girls. So it was Dang. fantastic. Classy, man. I love it. So we a minute ago, we, I, you know, I mentioned you'd met Joe Montana. Uh, what I didn't mention is it was at a Super Bowl. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that story and how you happened to meet a Super Bowl MVP at a Super Bowl? Yeah, it it really is amazing. Uh, my dad had uh, again taken me the year before to uh, watch the Cowboys and the Falcons play, and Cowboys came up short that year. And so the next year, I'm thinking the Cowboys are going to make it. They're they're beating San Francisco, and it looks like. You know, the game's over. And then, of course, Joe Montana throws what I think is going – this pass is going out of the end zone, and then Dwight Clark goes up and makes this catch. Oh, yeah. And I probably, yep. Yeah. I probably said a bad word under my breath, never out loud. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had actually won um, tickets to the Super Bowl. So I knew I was going, and I really thought I was going to Oh, you thought you were seeing your boys. I did. I I was just – I was still excited because, hey, you know, you win the trip to the Super Bowl. It's it's amazing. Um, I'm still going to be happy um, watching the Bengals and the 49ers. What what was the contest for him that you won it off of? It was um, GE – and Sport Magazine, and it was like 13 questions, and, you know, back then, Bob, you actually had to, you know, be an expert like yeah. you and just know thing, or you actually had to go to the library and look ah. up. This thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's so good. I have, I think I have the first five questions, and then you know, the other sheet I had to send in. But I do remember that the the break-even or the tiebreaker question was, who was the only uh, Super Bowl MVP to come from a losing team? And Chuck Howley, wasn't it? Chuck Howley, exactly, because he was a Dallas Cowboy, Chuck Howley. So I remember the yep. tiebreaker was, you know, I'll, I forget how many yep. hundreds of people got all 13 and they went in this giant spinning, you know, wheel and they pulled out uh, 20 winners at the CES show. And wow. So. Wow. That's so cool. It was, it was really. Keep, keep going. Keep you know, going with your story, man. I love this. You've, I, I, yeah. you, you, po- you posted up about it and I've seen pictures I don't think I've ever heard it from you in person. Well, and actually, so. when I got word, my dad called. I was at a friend's house because we had like eight to ten inches of snow, and we were out playing, and my dad called my friend's house. Well, back then, that usually meant you were in trouble. So I was like, oh, no, <laughs> uh, I'm on the phone. 
at somebody's house. So I went and answered the phone, and my dad's like, you're not going to believe it, but you know that quiz you entered? And I said, yeah. He said, well, we won. We're going to the Super Bowl. And I went, you mean me and whoever I taste, right? And he goes, yeah, that would be <laughs> So, yeah, oh. and I uh, boarded plane and flew from Greensboro to, you know, that wonderful, fun city of Detroit, the only cold <laughs> Super oh Bowl gosh. at that point. And, you know, I'd never been to Detroit. And as we're flying in, I really couldn't see much because there was so much snow on the ground. Uh, it, oh, it my much gosh. There. Um, but it was really great. They had us uh, staying in the same hotel with the uh, 49ers. Uh, we got in and, and went down. We were just, you know, it's not like you were going to jump in an Uber and go somewhere. Uh, so we went down and the, the restaurant had, you know, was full and maybe an hour wait. And we were kind of standing there. And this this guy sitting at this, one of these round tables and had big black curly hair. And he just kind of waved on us. And we went over there and he invited us to sit down with him and it turned out it was Jim Plunkett. And he said, <laughs> and it, wow. I, yeah, I didn't recognize him. And then when he introduced himself, I'm like, holy moly. You know, I thought, how did he wave you over? How, how, did, <laughs> how, how did he come to wave you over? Just He was sitting in this round booth as we were standing there with the maitre d' and he just saw us standing there waiting and he's in this round table by himself. And he just, I would look over at him and he looked up and he just, he waved at us to come over. I actually thought my dad had somehow set that up, but he's, he swears that he did not. So, cause I'm not even sure my dad knew who it was when he introduced himself. Wow. So, wow. Wow. It, so that, that was really amazing. And, um, then the next day, um, the sport magazine, you know, GE folks, they took us to a really great brunch at a very nice country club. Again, it was snowing. I couldn't tell you which one, but uh, we went in these big Winnebago um, caravans, basically, and <laughs> they they took us to the game in those, and you know, they had all kinds of food hors d'oeuvres you wanted was in there. So I'm thinking this is by far the most, you know, high class, you know, we must be sitting, you know, 50 yard line, you know, perfect seat. And I'm thinking this is amazing. So as, as we're going in, it was still snowing and freezing. And so I'm looking at our tickets and they didn't have diagrams. So we went in and asked where your seat was and they tell me, and we go to the upper deck and I'm like, that's okay. They'll, they'll still be good. And then we get to the corner, and we keep walking. We got points, and we were on the top row in the corner. And I was like, <laughs> at, the, at, the ta- okay. at the top row of the stadium? Yes, yeah, top row of the stadium in the corner. Oh, my. And, <laughs> the, the nosebleed, <laughs> a.k.a. the nosebleed. True nosebleed. Oh. But I did have my trusty binoculars, so all was not lost. <laughs> Even as a even as a kid, you knew those were crappy seats. <laughs> oh wow. yeah, but you know what? Wow. And and we were there, and I you know I remember, I remember 
parts of the game, you know, I remember the turnovers on on the kickoff and uh, actually two kickoffs. And I, I remember a lot of field goals and, you know, I just remember it being a, a really great experience. And I remember that evening thinking, okay, so we get to meet Joe Montana. He's the MVP. I'm like, after sitting in the nosebleeds, I don't know how far or how close we're going to get to Joe Montana. <laughs> so, <laughs> was the contest was the contest to win the MVP, uh, uh, whoever the MVP was, or was it to meet Joe Montana? No, it was to it was an uh, Sport Magazine did the MVP lunch the next day. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. just whoever won the MVP. So after the game, we're like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll meet Joe Montana. Well, all I knew of Joe Montana really was. He's that little quarterback that played at Notre Dame last year. You know, <laughs> that's really how. And so I'm like, well, that's cool. And so the next morning, got up, and they took us over there, and there were all these tables set up. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're not that many tables, so maybe we won't be too far away. Well, we were sitting at his table, like two seats down from So. I'm like, okay, we're back to Jim Plunkett. This this is working out pretty well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was he was very nice, um, you know. And then they they took, as you as you've seen, they they took a picture of each person with him and the uh, Super Bowl trophy and MVP. And um, yeah, it was it was an unforgettable experience. Um, and have have you ever have you ever sent that picture off to Montana to get autographed? You know, I I missed an opportunity. Uh, Brian Marcy had him at the the shop out there, and I didn't oh. see his post in time because you know I would definitely send it to Brian. Um, so I I will do that again. I, I don't want to send it through the mail because he gets so much mail. Um, oh yeah, that's a lot of signs. Yeah, I heard. So I, I think. I heard I heard okay. he's not not great signing through the mail, although I could be completely wrong. But uh, yeah, and I'm sure he's overwhelmed with stuff all the time. Yeah, he's up and down. Um, so, Brian, a quick trivia question for you: What cowboy did Dwight Clark make that reception in the end zone in front of? Um. In other words, who was covering Dwight Clark in the end zone when he caught that touchdown pass in the NFC Championship? Let's see. Everson Walls. Spot on, sir. Man. Correct. If you ever need to co if you ever need to co host a show with Bob, let him know. Man, nice job. <laughs> you know, I have a very I have a very short window of, of things that I know. Huh? <laughs> you just have <laughs> Because I think I spoke with uh, I think I spoke with him about it uh, at Cowboys Stadium a few years ago. I know I talked to Drew Pearson oh, no. about it. Oh uh, no way! Poor Everson. Uh, you know he's the he's the you know he's the uh, who's the Buckley you know he's the Buckley of the Cowboys, letting Dwight Clark <laughs> catch that, and you know and and go on to you know just you know a throbbing of the Cowboys for years to come. Yes, uh, it was always. Cowboys, but... Hey Brian, how uh, many signed car- 
how many sign cards do you think you have in your collection? And and put you on the spot now. What do you? What are your top three uh, in your collection? You know, That's I, a good question. I, I actually did a count the other day because somebody asked me that, and I've got over two thousand um, sign cards. Wow. And, and probably over half of them now, or at least half of them are football now. Um, good, you know, good for you. Uh, the Joe Montana is one that uh, will always have to be up there because I got it in person and it's uh, on his rookie card. And, and again, it's, uh, it's his old signature. You can read every, every letter. So, you know, yeah. PSA probably would kick it back if I sent it in. <laughs> yeah. His signature now has just a J a squibble and a, you know, and a slanted M. Yeah. It's uh I used to collect a lot of Joe Montana, and I remember his signature was getting a little little slanted. Right. Well, I'll be sure and, and post that again for you. You can see very yeah. close. Um, Jim okay. Brown on the rookie card is another one that um, – actually, I just got it back from PSA. And, yeah, it's uh, it's a blazer. How'd you, uh, how'd you get that? You know, um, I noticed uh, he was at uh, Fan Fest in Chicago. And um, one of the guys on uh, on the uh, sports collectors um, net was at the uh, signing, and I sent him. I'm like, this is probably my last chance, so I, I sent him the rookie card and the '66 Philly that I had to get signed, and he did a great job of getting mm. those signed. So, wow! Oh wow, that's cool. And then I guess I guess that um, I guess that Gail Sayers rookie that kind of got the girls and I started down the football direction even more. Um, it's got to be a favorite just simply because it kicked things off. But uh, there's there's been so many amazing returns. It seems like um, every couple of weeks, I mean, I just got, you know, Lynn Dawson's and, and um, Tom Flores back on 65 tops, which is what we're working on now also. Um, yeah. That set is very dear to my heart, as you know. The 65 top. Yep. Love that. You know what I love, Ryan? You know what I love hearing is your dad, you know, the stories you're telling of your dad going to games, going to Super Bowls, encouraging you to, you know, uh, and then you're doing it with your your girls the same way. I just call that damn good parenting, man. Uh, that, That gives me goosebumps to hear. I love it. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it because my, um, you know, that that Super Bowl um, was on January the 24th, which is my daughter's birthday. Oh, wow. And I took her to her first NFL game, which was the championship game. Um, against the Cardinals, Panthers, Cardinals on January 24th. Kind of a kind of cool. Good on you, man. That's neat. That, that's neat. Yeah. That's Is your dad still alive? Oh yeah, my dad. My dad's uh, he's on his way back from Vegas right now. Good for him. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. I see. All right. He's 75. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, good. Hey, Brian, do you, do you have any uh, – I'm just curious. Uh, do you have any 
interesting uh, collecting experience or story or something that stuck with you uh, for years? I mean, obviously the Super Bowl, uh, the whole Super Bowl uh, trip and the contest, um, you know, obviously is incredible. But how about any type of collecting or experience or um, or similar experience like that that uh, we might be interested in hearing about? Well, you know, meeting uh, Joe Squires in person the first time was pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the did you get a Did you get an autograph? <laughs> did you get an autograph, Brian? <laughs> you know, I think I did get one. Um, I believe it's on a Steve Largent or uh, card around here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. I love it. That, wow. I have a picture of you. I took you were in front of some fireplace. I, I forget, you know, I, I don't remember what city it was. Uh, we were all grabbing a beer in the hotel lobby, and we took a picture of you, and you're sitting in front of this fireplace, and the light must have caught your eyes just right because you're in the picture, your eyes are just glowing red, and you just you look like Satan sitting in front of this fireplace with these red eyes. It's, it's pretty funny. It's called Chicago. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah exactly. Chicago. It. It's the speaking of 65 top, uh, Bob. I was at a show in a mall, and this guy had um, unopened 65 tops packs. So oh my! I believe. Wow. I I believe they were. It seems like they were 45 bucks. And I remember buying. I must have bought five or six, chasing you know Joe Nevis before I ran out of money. I'd like to tell you I got a name it, but I did not. Um, I did get some of the short prints, and I actually have – that's what started me on the 65 tops uh, through the mail were the cards that I Wow. Had. Wow. So there's and, a possibility. How long ago? There's a possibility you might have a Raiders – There's a possibility you may have a Raiders rub-off from one of the packs that I need for my sup because that was the insert in the sup in the packs. You know what? I will go back through my wrappers and see about that, Bob, because I know that um, I also opened, um, I bought on eBay some 1964 Philly packs. Oh, okay. All right, yep. A tattoo and the inserts for those, but I, I don't remember seeing the um, the inserts the for the sixty five. Okay. And that was that right. old, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have even you know thought to keep them. Although I've kept everything my entire life, so they may be here. Yeah. <laughs> how how long ago was it you found those packs for for forty five bucks? That's right? a, that's been a long time ago. You know, I'm. It's simply a ballpark. I would guess somewhere between eighty-eight and ninety-four. Wow! 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 That surprises me. They were that expensive. They were that expensive back then. I mean, twenty-five-year-old packs. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, but I don't there know. Was, there was there was a couple of uh, convenience stores in Greensboro that used to always buy too many boxes of football and I remember in 
like 87 or 88, I would still go by there and buy boxes of 84 football. Wow. Yeah, my favorite. Wow. My favorite. Yeah. The good old days. Yeah. And, the and good old so, days if there ever were. Wow. Well, obviously, Brian, your, your, your main, your main passion is, you know, autographs. Uh, you know, I mean, do you have any advice for collectors? Autographs is one of those things that, I mean, oftentimes the person, you know, who's the, who's the autograph seeker knows more about the autograph than, you know, the experts at PSA. So, you know, you have any, any advice for through the mail or autograph seekers? Well, I, I enjoy through the mail or in person. Um, not to say I haven't bought some, but I'd rather get them myself um, or get them through the mail because there's that personal touch. Um, I think really, um, you know, as, as Bob mentioned earlier, if you, if you uh, join one of the sites or buy the list each year uh, from several yeah. of the companies, um, that's a great place to start. And then you can see the returns that are coming in. I mean, I, I happened to notice that Gail Sayers had, had started signing again um, when I was just flipping through, and that's, that's how it got it on a piece of mind, you know, hey, football. Um, so that's, that's a good way. I think whenever you're sending um, letters to the players, I think it's always really nice to look at what that player is doing now and, you know, try to personalize not only what they did in the past, but, you know, on the playing day, but what they're doing now, what interests them now. Um, hmm. you know, Junior Coffee, I'm fixing to send some cards out to him, and it just so happens he left football and is a horse trainer, you know, and he's out your way. Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. Horse, yeah, and my do- both of my daughters ride horses, and Grace is a a, a national and world champion on uh, saddlebreds. So it's you know it's a way to relate. The girls can can write something and relate to what he's doing now, and yeah. um, usually that that gives a really good response back. Wow! Nice. Wow! Have you ever? That's so cool. I'm curious. Have you ever gotten an autograph in person? You you knew it. It's, it's Providence and sent it off to PSA, and they kicked it out, and you just kind of shake your head? You know, I haven't simply because I just started sending to PSA for the autograph authentication. Um, I know that, uh, obviously, um, I'm sure Todd Tobias, Mr. AFL, my hero, has uh, <laughs> many of the – I mean, Todd, Todd knows more about those guys than they know about themselves, and he's got yeah, many of those. So, um, you know, I, and, and not to, to talk badly about any of the authenticators, that's not an easy job and, and a tough thing to look yeah, at. Yeah, no kidding. That, so I'm sure yeah. that happens. And and I'm sure the more I send in, the more it will happen. Yeah, and no like kidding. Like I said, I didn't send the Joe Montana and. I figured I might need to hand that to somebody and explain and show them the thing. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was in an airport once in Mexico uh, flying back, and Montana happened to be on the same flight as me. Uh, so I meet him in the, uh, you know, in the gift store, 
And I'm just like, uh, you know, hey, Mr. Montana, you mind if I get an autograph? And the only thing I had with me is my boarding pass, so he signs it. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm showing it to my friends. And uh, I go to get on the plane, and they, they they take my board. I'm like, no, I need that. And they're like, no, we have to take it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That has an autograph on it. And so I'm arguing with the person. And, you know, finally a manager comes over, like, we have to take this. You know, and I, I thought they scanned it. You know, but no, they took it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, that's my Joe Montana autograph story, Brian. <laughs> See that on eBay last week? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was an Alaska Air flight out of Cabo San Lucas, right around uh, 1998. Yeah, so yes. <laughs> they didn't have to take those. <laughs> they had to take yeah, that. Wow. <laughs> they had to take that one. <laughs> That's good. You ever you ever chased anyone down at an airport or anything like that? Bob and I had a guest on a couple of years ago who was talking about like he saw someone in an airport and ran, you know, three terminals down chasing him and finally got an autograph or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I haven't ever chased any anybody, but I've seen somebody get chased. I, I was in Philadelphia and walking, and all of a sudden, there's Dr. J. And I just oh, wow. smiled and went, Dr. J. And, you know, he just gave me the wink and the nod of, yes. And just kept walking, and then I see this little kid who's running as fast as he can, and he stops and looks uh, at me, and he, that was Dr. J. And I'm like, yes, it was, and he just kept, kept running. He had his pen, he was ready to go. So, good for him. Good for him. Wow. And I hope Dr. J. Find it. Yes. Good. The only story. I love it. The only story. The only story we have like that is. Uh, this was several years ago. We're in Turks and Caicos, and my daughter actually came with us. For, it was during um, um, New Year's break, and we're down there, and, and um, we're in a restaurant, and the guy is saying, Derek Jeter's coming down tonight. So I said, okay. So I didn't want to say anything, and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I know who he is. He's a nice guy, yada, yada, yada. So I'm in the men's room. And the next thing I know, I'm looking to my left, and there's Derek Jeter at the urinal right next to me. And he says hi to me, and I say hi to him. Now, obviously, I'm not going to ask the guy for an autograph or anything like that, you know. So we finish our business, we walk out, and he's playing cards in the bar with a couple of his buddies. So to throw everybody off, um, they said he was staying on the opposite side of the island at this uh, resort. But he was actually staying at this really nondescript place near where we were staying. So the next morning, I said, "Let's uh, we're going to go there for breakfast anyway." So we walk in for breakfast, and he's there with his buddy, and says hi to us. We walk in, <laughs> nonchalant, no big deal, nothing. We still don't ask him for an autograph, and, and that was it. So uh, I, I said, uh, well, "You know, somewhere, my, it was funny. It was it was real funny." Some, so I could say well, somewhere, I Derek Jeter is talking about how uh, he got to see you know Bob Swick's penis. You know, in a, in a men's room. Well, that, that's my uh, that's my my funny story about about a uh, a guest like that. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, hey, we're uh, almost out of time. Brian, Brian, any other uh, uh, comments you'd like to make as far as uh, your collection or anything else? You know, um, I'm sitting here right now. As soon as I get off the call, I'll be uh, sending out more. So. 
I'm ready to go. Good for you. Brooks, Brooks, Brian, would you mind, would you mind emailing, uh, would you mind emailing the captain a couple pictures like your Joe Montana photo and maybe your autographed Montana card that he can post up on the uh, Gridiron Greats, uh, you know, website page and Facebook page, just uh, memorialize the phone call. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. That'd be cool. Good. Hey, Brian, thanks for being on. I appreciate you taking time out and, and talking with us. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll see you in Chicago, Brian. Yeah, Sounds we'll good. see you in Chicago. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, guys. All right, Take it easy, brother. Be well. All right, we're almost out of time. We've got to wrap things up. We're in our goal line stance and two-minute warning coming up. And, Joe, I'll hand it off to you. What did we pick up on tonight's show? I sure dig that guy. I've just, uh, I've always thought Brian is just a classy guy. I just, I, I sure dig him. I enjoy hanging out at nationals and stuff with him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. And just hearing him talk about, you know, going to a Super Bowl, how he shared a lot of memories with his dad. That just, you know, how involved his dad was with just forming that, and uh, just reminded me a little bit about how I, you know, got involved in football. You know. And then how Brian's yep. doing that with his daughters is just—I just—I am—I just absolutely love hearing that stuff. Then he can tell his yep. daughters commonality they have with their dad that they will never ever forget. The future yep. of the yep. hobby, and right there, the captain. Yeah, and then you know it's his stories that need to be highlighted in our hobby more so because it's—it's uh, it's what it's all about. You know, it's a, a family together, a father, a father and his two daughters doing this. It's, it's just great. It's just great. I really, I really enjoyed listening to it, and I knew a little bit about it before, but for hearing it from Brian, it was it was really nice to hear it, and, and I know our audience appreciated it too at the same time. And he's got an incredible collection, yeah. and um, it, it's cool because you know, being an old timer, I, I still like the mail, and uh, it's got to be a cool feeling yeah. when you get home and you see three, four envelopes there with with uh, guys signing their. Yeah. their their cards and nice notes and, and the like, so that that really makes it worth worthwhile. I I, I truly appreciate what he what uh, his collection is about and how he goes about with it, and it's very very neat. And uh, the Super Bowl story yeah. is priceless. I mean, it's just classic. It's so cool. Just so cool to to hear. Just amazing. Truly amazing. Uh, we're down to about a minute, and again, if you uh, want any information on our magazine, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Check out our website. All the information for subscriptions and back issues for sale is there and available for you. All right, uh, let's see. I, I guess that's about it for today and tonight, and um, again, we... Uh, have looked at a just another complete area of collecting in football that is still very very active, still very very neat, and still is uh, obtainable for collectors. And Brian proved it with uh, 2,000 plus signatures on his cards, and just that's just an amazing feat yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Truly amazing. Yeah. All right, Joe. Anything else? We're going to wrap it up. We're down to about 20 seconds. That's it. Looking forward. To, looking forward to just getting together in Chicago again. Uh, I sent you that picture of my son, you know, with you in Cleveland yesterday yeah, again after the show. Just, I, I really liked. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate your comment. 
you know, and just uh, thanks. He really enjoyed meeting the captain. Uh, I enjoyed meeting him, and uh, you guys got a special bond there, and uh, that's that's very nice for me to see, too, and I, I really enjoy seeing that. And I love seeing fathers and sons and daughters at the National and, and just going around from table to table. And, you know, it's just it's good for the hobby. That's what we need. We need more Absolutely. young people getting Absolutely. active and getting getting involved, collecting. That's what it's all about. All right, we're almost out of time. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a future show in a few weeks. Joe, thanks. Have a good night, and we'll be talking. Thank you. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.